This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to Self Work. This is Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm so glad you're here. I started Self Work about four years ago to try to reach out to many of you who are very comfortable with therapeutic issues and just want to learn more, to those of you who have a, an initial diagnosis of depression or anxiety and are looking for answers but also to a third group. For those of you who might say you'd never darken the door of a therapist, but you're just interested enough to listen to a podcast like Self Work. Welcome to you all. I totally forgot during the last podcast to ask more of you to send me a voicemail from my website or your show notes on why you listen to Self Work. It's for the 200th episode where I want to celebrate you. I need several more of them, please, so don't be shy. You don't have to say who you are, and there are two ways to do it. Probably the easiest way is to go to my website at drmargaretrutherford.com, and you'll see a banner with record question for podcast on it. Click there and then leave a message, or you can go to the show notes for the episode you're listening to, this very one, and at the bottom you'll find an icon called SpeakPipe that you click and leave a message. The message can be up to a minute and a half long and will feature you on the 200th episode. If I don't get enough, we won't do it. (laughs) But I need to get them from you in the next two weeks. So I hope I'll see some more come on in. Thanks so much to the people who've sent them in already, and it means so much. Today, we're going to be focusing on how to use anger productively. There are examples of both right now in the world, of people who are demonstrating their anger and letting it serve as a reflection of what they believe must happen and must change. Then there are people whose anger is very destructive and even frightening. But today, we'll be focusing on anger in relationships because I'm not a sociologist or a politician. I don't even want to go there. What I've seen in relationships is how, when anger is mismanaged, it can lead to a lot of trouble, if not the end of a relationship. I've already done one podcast on the topic of how anger can be avoided, abused, or respected, so you might look for that, or I'll actually have that episode in the show notes. But today we're going to talk about what exactly needs to happen for your anger to be heard in a relationship. We're going to use a technique from dialectical behavioral therapy, which is easy to remember and can be very helpful. So in this episode brought to you by BetterHelp, we'll talk about anger and how to shape it into something actually very helpful. First, we'll talk about anger in general and then get down to this DBT technique called Dear Man. Our listener email today used the SpeakPipe format to send me a message after hearing my interview with a wonderful guy named Chris Doe on YouTube. For those of you who are interested, he is an entrepreneur with creative people. He actually helps creative people develop their business plan. You ought to check him out. That's Chris Doe, D-O. She asks what to do when she's getting a divorce and how to handle a sense of isolation and lack of money. These are practical problems that so many people have, and it can seem as if there's no way to help yourself. But you can look for what you have control over, even if it's just a little bit, and give it a whirl. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about anger.
I distinctly remember the first time I lost it with another human being. It was during my first marriage, and I didn't even recognize the person who was doing the shouting. It was me, all right, but a me that was out of control, totally driven by impulse. Somehow I'd gotten to age 25 or 26 without learning how to handle my anger. It's not that I hadn't ever been angry, but this was a rage I'd never felt, and it wasn't pretty. And I certainly wasn't proud of my behavior. Maybe the stakes had never felt that high, I don't really know. I wasn't happy in the marriage, and it obviously wasn't bringing out the best in me. I can still have a sharp tongue from time to time, but I've learned how to handle the impulse to intentionally hurt someone. I know there are terrible consequences to that behavior, and I don't want to be on the receiving end of that fight either. I also remember when I became a therapist, I was still struggling because that was when I was in my mid-30s. I was still struggling with helping people who were very angry with one another and had absolutely no problem viciously fighting in my office. I'm actually kind of short. And one time I had to jump in between two people who were quite tall, but who looked as if they were going to come to blows. I can remember I was kind of like a referee or an umpire or something. Teenagers who I used to work with show their anger in all sorts of ways, sometimes by not talking and freezing up or screaming. One spat sunflower seeds at me and her parents. I made her clean it up. The F word has come to dominate many people's vocabulary as they want to show just how mad they are. When I see any of this, I try to understand what's underneath that anger, why it is so potent, and how someone learned that that was in any way an effective way of communicating. Because it gets the message across, but being that mad isn't helpful. So first, let's talk about some important positive things about anger and how you can use it productively. Then we'll get to the DBT exercise. There are eight of these. First, anger provides information. Because anger is about something you value being threatened. And when you feel angry about it, then you're feeling threatened, your ego is threatened, your values are threatened. So basically, if you take it like that, if you say, okay, what information is my anger giving me? Then you can think more rationally about it. Secondly, it's important to know what part of your body responds when you're beginning to get angry because these are sensory signals that are early signs to you that your anger is coming on. If you catch them, you can often channel that to a greater productivity. You can slow down. For example, when I get mad, a lot of times either tears come to my eyes or my jaw clenches. A lot of times my jaw clenches. And I can feel myself getting angry. So what do you do? Does your stomach start turning over? Do you start breathing heavily? What happens and your body's responding to anger? And if you first catch it, then you've got much more of a chance of handling it well. Here's the third point. It's important to know the root of where your anger comes from. Is there a bigger issue underneath what you think you're angry about? Long ago, I told you all the story about when my husband was telling me he wanted to go play golf. And we had a toddler at the time, and he was taking a nap, and... I just blew up at my husband. Now, he played golf maybe three times since our son had been born. And he looked shocked, and I looked shocked. And then all of a sudden, it came to me that it reminded me of something that used to happen in my family, where my dad would go play golf, and I would be left 
at home with my mom who would unfortunately use the opportunity to talk to me about some of her unhappiness with my dad. That's where my anger was coming from. I'd suddenly had this sort of spark of what I used to feel like as a child, and I could never voice that anger. So a lot of times you're angry for reasons that don't have anything to do with the present situation. A lot of people work on those kinds of things in therapy. Here's number four, which is probably not going to be a very popular thing for me to say. You have to realize that just because you feel something, that that doesn't make it entirely accurate or that the feeling is totally real. Sometimes our emotions don't tell us the truth or they distort our perspective. So when you get angry, you need to slow down and you need to look for the rationality behind it. Maybe if it's there, then your anger is justified. But sometimes people get in the habit of everything making them angry. And so they're just living in anger. Sometimes you're making assumptions and you get angry about something when you realize later, wait a minute, that shouldn't have made me angry. So you can't always trust a feeling that you have, including anger. The fifth one is recognizing how comfortable you are with anger. If you shame yourself for it, maybe you grew up in a family where anger wasn't allowed or believe it's wrong or you shouldn't feel it, you're not being grateful enough, let's say, then that can be a huge problem. And you can distance yourself from your anger when really it does have important information for you. That may be something you need to consider. Number six is we all need to learn to calm down quickly. Because a lot of problems with anger are actually problems with impulse control. And they're not the same. Anger is information. Impulse control is having trouble not acting on it immediately. So you can learn how to breathe more deeply. You listen to that sensory information your body is giving you. Whether your neck tenses, your stomach, your breath, you're speaking in a louder voice. So you can slow it down, making sure you know your triggers, meaning the things that you know set you off every time. In the literature about anger, there's a label of someone who has a problem with impulse control, that they're an anger dumper, where you just dump everything you're angry about and then let other people clean up the mess. So you don't want to be that kind of person. You want to stay in the present and try to breathe deeply and manage your anger. The seventh point is something that, unfortunately, a lot of people do. You don't want to think necessarily black and white, right and wrong, correct and incorrect, justified or unjustified, because all each of us have are our perceptions. No one has the entire truth. So you want to be as clear as possible about your perception and how it's being built, what has happened to cause you to have it, but also recognize it is a perception. And the eighth one is take all of this and learn to express that anger respectfully. And actually, we're going to focus on a specific technique to help you do that in the next section. But before we go on to talk about Dear Man, as it's called, here's an offer from BetterHelp that may save you some money and give you some much-needed support. When I was approached by BetterHelp now several months ago, COVID hadn't emerged, and I'd maybe conducted a handful of telehealth sessions, mostly when someone was sick and couldn't make it into the office. 
Now, five months later, I'm even more of a believer in telehealth. It took some getting used to, but actually, clients sometimes seem more relaxed. It fits better into their schedule. And although many have told me they miss seeing me in person, it's still been a very fulfilling relationship. I've even started new patients, and they've told me they had positive experiences, so we've never actually met in person. BetterHelp is rated the number one online therapy service that's available to you wherever you live. Confidential and highly personalized, it's much less expensive than normal talk therapy. You can text, have video chats, or just talk on the phone. You outline what you're looking for, and BetterHelp suggests several therapist options for you. If you don't seem to find a way to connect with one, they'll ask you more about what you're looking for and then suggest others. I, of course, tried it out before I was going to recommend it to you, and the two therapists I had sessions with listened well and made great suggestions for me, and one said, actually, I might make myself. I talked about my own panic disorder and a very scary situation I'd been through, and they were caring and thoughtful. And I was amazed at how easy it was to get in touch with them to make time changes, for example. Although BetterHelp can't be there in emergencies, nor could any online provider, they have all kinds of information about what you can do in that special circumstance. And today, BetterHelp has a great savings offer for you. If you use the link trybetterhelp.com slash selfwork, again, that's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash selfwork, you can enjoy a 10% discount on your first month of sessions. After five months of seeing how people relate to telehealth, I'd highly recommend it. If self-work has helped you, maybe BetterHelp can give you an even more personal experience with therapy. So now we're going to talk about the Dear Man technique. Actually, this was a technique that was devised by Marsha Linehan, who actually created dialectical behavioral therapy, or DBT as it's known. She wanted to try to help people with borderline personality disorder who are highly governed by their emotions, and she was a cognitive behavioral therapist. So she devised some techniques that were specifically created for that kind of outrush of emotional arousal that really is a concern for a lot of people who are trying to manage borderline personality disorder. But it's really good advice for anyone trying to learn to communicate more productively. And I'm going to have several show note links for you to look at if you want to look at several DBT articles. It's a question I often get. What is DBT? And so I will have those in the show notes for you. But the dear man technique is that each letter actually stands for a part of the technique. The first, the D, is that you describe. You describe the facts that you've noticed. You use specific words to describe to the other person what you want and the problem as you see it. You're very clear with your words. For example, we're going to use the example of someone, maybe your partner, maybe your child, who leaves their dirty clothes on the floor. This would mean you describe the facts. I notice that you leave your dirty clothes on the floor for several days. Boom, that's it. The E is for express. You express your feelings using I language. You don't want to shy away from talking but you want to effectively communicate while being very intentional and mindful. And this can be very tricky for those of us who have a tendency to get lost in or overwhelmed by emotions. 
So you state the problem, but then you have to talk about your feelings in a very calm way. So first you've said you leave your dirty clothes on the floor for several days. Then here's an example of hopefully a good expression. Sometimes I don't mind, but other times I feel as if you're expecting me to pick them up. And often I do, which is actually my part of this issue. So you're using lots of I language. Sometimes I don't mind, at other times I feel, and often I do. The A of dear man is assert what you need or like. You want to stay away from being aggressive or even passive aggressive. You just want to be matter of fact. Here you go. Rather than me picking them up, I'd like you to do that. Short and sweet. This is what I'd need or what I'd like. And then you reinforce. You reinforce how your request will help or benefit the person who's listening to you. Let's keep going with this example. I think this will help us getting along better because I won't feel resentful and tend to act mad at you. And you don't have a clue why. So because I won't be mad, I'll be much more likely to help you out when you need me. Plus, you'll know you're doing something that means a lot to me. So you're basically predicting for them what will happen if they try to change their behavior. That you won't be mad, that you won't act that out with them. You'll be much more likely to help them, and you think they'll feel good because they're doing something to help you. Now, all of this doesn't mean that they're not going to come back and go, I don't do this either, or I don't know what you're talking about, or you're just making a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> I mean, you can't control how people are going to respond to you, right? But people just don't like to feel like they're being coerced, that you're demanding something from them. And so try to be realistic. Try to say, you know, I think we both get along better if this were happening. And this is my part as I see it. And this is your part. But the whole thing was dear man, right? So there are three other parts. And really these three parts are about dealing with how the other person just might respond. So the M is stay mindful. You want to not respond with intensity or if they escalate, then you escalate. So you get aggressive or defensive. The three techniques that DBT people suggest you use are actually very good. There's one called opposite action. Let's say you get angry. Well, you do something that is opposite of what you do when you're angry. So you go get a glass of cold water or you say, gosh, I'm really feeling angry, but I'm going to just take a 10 minute break, but I'll be back and let's talk about it. You practice opposite action. The second one is called radical acceptance, which I'm actually doing the next podcast on. So more next week about radical acceptance. But basically, it's seeing things as they really are and accepting them. And it's a part of mindfulness. And then they also say to really check your breathing so that you can maintain your focus. So that's opposite action, radical acceptance, which again, we'll talk about more next week, and mindful breathing. But mostly, it's about just staying in the present, stay on track with what you're asking for. The A of dear man is appear confident. You want to be taking this seriously. If you do, others are more likely to as well. Now, not necessarily, but you want to make sure that you're coming from a space where, you know what, this really is important to you and you believe in it. 
and you want to get that message across, not in an aggressive way, but in an assertive, confident way. The last one, the N, is negotiate. Sometimes you've got to meet halfway. Let's use our leaving your dirty clothes on the floor example. Your teenager or your spouse or whomever, your roommate, says, you know, I know I'm really bad at remembering that, but if you'll put up with them just being there for a couple of hours, I will make sure that at night I pick them up. It's not what you asked for, but maybe it's a negotiation. You just walk around them. You want to let them know you care about their perspective on this, and you've stated your perspective, and maybe you have to meet in the middle. So let's go over Dear Man again. Describe the facts you've noticed. Express your feelings using eye language. Assert what you'd need or like, and be very matter-of-fact. You reinforce how your request will help or benefit them as well as the relationship. The M is to stay mindful, stay in the present, stay calm. The A is appear confident. You want to take yourself seriously and to negotiate when necessary. So you're trying to stay reasonable and make it a win-win. Again, in the show notes, I'm going to have some links to where if you want to learn more about DBT and Dear Man, then those will be available for you. I think anytime you apply reasoning and reasonable behavior and rationality to what you're trying to say, it's not that our emotions aren't important. They're very important. They give us all kinds of messages. We just need to make sure that they don't govern and we become impulsive rather than caring about the impact of our words and our actions. Here's the listener email for today. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I saw you on the, the Future video. It was amazing video. I deal with my perfectionism, with depression. And in this moment, I, I passing through a very hard time. I get in divorce, and it's very painful. I work for my family, for my dad and, and my mom, and I also don't have any money. My work is really, really far away from my home, and uh, I just want to ask you what I can do to get help if I don't have money or people around me friends or whatever to can help me thanks very much basically this young woman is asking for help because she has really hit rock bottom her job is far away she doesn't have much money if anything and she's going through a divorce and she doesn't know what to do or where to turn doesn't sound like she's got much support so one i'm delighted she's a listener to self-work you know what i've noticed about people is when they hit rock bottom some people either sink and stay there, or some people look around and say, okay, I may be down at the bottom of a well, but how do I climb up? How do I get out? And I think, again, not to oversimplify things, but if you look for what you have control over instead of what you do not, that that can be at least a starting point for you. Again, I don't know much of the practical circumstances around this young woman's life, but if you're going through a divorce and you didn't mention children, 
then you have to grieve. You have to be angry. You have to be sad. You have to be a little scared. And you do sound a little frightened, obviously. But you can write. You can talk to whoever will listen and maybe help you with trying to heal from your divorce. Divorce can be very, very demoralizing. And all the things that your partner, your ex-partner said to you, you wonder, sometimes those words stuck. I can remember my second ex-husband used to say to me, you better stay with me because if anybody else knew who you really were, they wouldn't love you. And I believed him. And that's something I had to face when I got out of the marriage. Was I really lovable? Was he right? And luckily, my husband now, almost 30 years, will tell me, well, you know, sometimes you can be a little difficult, but I love you. So you have to deal with the messages that you got in your marriage and begin to confront them and begin to say, this was not true, this did not define me, or yes, this is something I need to work on. So from the divorce, you want to confront what was not fair or rational for them to say, but was a way to manipulate you or put you down. And then maybe you want to look at how you chose your partner or how you acted in the relationship yourself and say, yes, I need to work on this. I need to recognize that this was my contribution to what went wrong. Now, as far as no money and your job being far away, Obviously, you don't want to resort to ways of making money that are self-destructive. But your job being far away is something that's obviously a problem. So I don't know if it's a situation where you could work from home or do you need to look for a job that's closer or maybe even pick up a second job. A lot of times people who are demoralized and even depressed have sort of a foggy thinking And it can be hard to make these kinds of decisions and to see things that you do have control over clearly. If you are depressed, you could go to your family doctor and ask for some pharmaceutical help for at least a while. And many, many medications are very inexpensive. At least I know so here in the United States. I could not tell from your accent where you were from. But you might need to consider an antidepressant to help clear your thinking. The other thing you can do if you have access to a phone or an iPad or however you're listening to self-work, you might also have access to Facebook groups that are online that are support groups. You can join my own self-work group at facebook.com slash group slash self-work, and you can get support there. Not therapeutic help, but at least support. Also, if you're having any medical issues or you don't have a family doctor, At least here in the United States, there are many free health clinics that you can go if you don't have any insurance or any money, and you can get the care that you need. So again, look for what you actually have control over. I'm so sorry you're going through such a hard time, and you're scared and demoralized, but you can get better. You can survive. There might even be support groups in your area. There are often divorce recovery groups that churches run that are free and might be very helpful to you. So good luck, and please take care. I want to thank you all for listening to Self Work. I have to admit, I made another mistake in the last podcast. I said the French word noir meant night, and I know that that's nuit. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) I think I've got to do some slowing down for these podcasts. 
So if any of you French enthusiasts caught that mistake, know that I caught it too, or my audio engineer caught it. (laughs) So sorry about that. Kind of embarrassed I was a French major. Again, I want to remind you to leave me a speak pipe recording so we can listen to your voices and celebrate the 200th episode of Self Work. You can go to my website and there'll be a banner say recording for podcast and all you do is click that or you can go to your speak pipe icon in any of the show notes or it's also on the sidebar of my website which is drmargaretrutherford.com. While you're there, you can subscribe and you'll get a weekly newsletter, I promise that's all to where you can listen to the podcast for that week and read my weekly blog post as well. And I'll have a little message for you every week just to say hi. Of course, my book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, remains on sale, and I just saw that you could get it for free as an audio book <laughs> if you sign up for Audible. I'm not sure how to feel about that, but <laughs> I guess that's fine, of course. I want the message to get out more than anything else. But it's Perfectly Hidden Depression, How to Break Free from the Perfectionism that Masks Your Depression. And there are over 60 exercises in the book. And they're really, what people are telling me is that I've never thought of myself as a perfectionist, but this book has really helped me because I followed the exercises and they were really great. They were hard, but they were great. Or if you would like for me to speak to your club or your group, or a meeting, or your business association, I'd be more than happy to just email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. You can also leave me a question or a comment there, and I'll answer it in the listener email. At least I'll answer some of them. I'm over on Instagram at drmargaretrutherford, and I'm doing a series called What I've Learned as a Therapist, and I'm loving doing that, so you can join me there. And again, I've already mentioned my Facebook Closed group at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. Thank you so very much for being here. I'm more grateful than you can know, especially for the ratings and reviews that all of you are leaving me. Thank you. Take very good care. Stay safe and sane. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self-Work.